Welcome to Tilt Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk short corn in our spotlight. We'll take a look at the first ever solid encapsulated uh, herbicide. We'll also, in our Ag History Minute, talk about Norman Borlaug. In our Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events. We'll wrap things up with a Feel Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So we're moving into weekend number two, the NCAA tournament. Can we say that? Oh, is it like the Super Bowl? I think you could say NCAA tournament. You, you can't it's say the March, March part. Yep. Yeah. Got it. Ah, the March crazies. Yep. Yes, the March third crazy. month madness. There you go. What else you got? Ides of March, man. Ooh. <laughs> I didn't say it. You almost said it. Yes, the... Well, I think, yeah, just chaos. The, the Ides of March is kind of like... Everybody says March chaos. Yes. Well, because that's because our brackets blow up usually after the first round. I just laugh with that. Like, of course your bracket's not going to be... Like, oh, my bracket's all screwed up. It's like... I get every, email, yeah, everybody's... Email the next day, like, like only one perfect bracket yeah. left or something like that. Like, Max has yeah. a buddy that... And I haven't looked since lately on the games, but after the first weekend, he was second overall, like, the brackets on oh, like CBS. CBS, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, he picked... Yeah, he picked it really well and was like... Out of millions, he was second. So we that, all know there's going to cool. be upsets, right? I mean, that just is it. Well, that's why it's you, fun to right, watch, right? Too. But you just don't know, like when you're picking your bracket, you just you don't, don't know which ones, right? You don't expect the what was it, NDU or MDU, whatever that team was, to kind of blow out um, for who they played. It's all a blur, too, but it, actually, yeah, you see, because you watch a little bit of it and then you because you see watch highlights uh, and you hear about Virginia them. get blown away too yep. by. What was billed as um, a less well-coordinated Virginia-type offense, but apparently it was enough to beat, to beat Virginia to beat themselves. So, Bill, can you believe the Badgers are the only Big Ten team still playing? I cannot <laughs> in the NIT. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, but we don't have to say that. No, just, they're still playing. <laughs> no, they made Which, the Final Four. They did. The, of they the, did. And they're you know in the losers bracket. They'll hang but, that banner if they win it all. They'll still hang the banner. You think you will? Oh, yeah. yeah. If you win it all, in yeah. the back. I'm just saying you don't like a it final four NAT. It, it won't matter. be next to the banner that says "National Runner yeah. Up." Yeah, right, man. Right. Is it like in the hallway, <laughs> in the locker, like, in the locker room, in the bathroom yeah. somewhere? Maybe guard will put it in his office. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind of right above the showers, like NIT champions. Actually, I mean, yeah, it is what it is, right? But they got four extra games. They got extra games, and I they're like more fun to watch because. If they do lose, you're just like, yeah, whatever. Whatever. We, this was dumb anyway. We didn't. This is. <laughs> but it's this is the losers back. And when they win, it's still fun. So it's giving guys an opportunity to play. You know, crawl had a good crawl had a good second, first second round or, or first second, round. Yeah. And then it was the first round. He had that thirty six yeah. or whatever. And then that Klesmet, yeah, who they thought maybe it would go in the tra- the transfer portal. Right. Like did really well. So yeah. he's hopefully, hopefully with that too, with this transfer portal thing, you keep more guys that maybe would have left. And maybe somebody sees you and well, and they comes get more way. playing time together is what they needed. Yeah, you know, just to let them keep playing. So, big thing was how Oregon had like two thousand people in the stands. Yeah, for the third they round were game. very full. Well, and they had the sign that said the cheese curds were overrated. Yeah, that was it. They showed that way too much on TV. Yeah, it was like, and the overrated was spelled wrong. Yep, they missed an R and overrated. 
So that sign was overrated. <laughs> That's the hard part. You get all the, like, you get D, D, defense, like, in your, all the little chants. Yeah. Because that's all you hear in these games. <laughs> yeah. That Oregon court is, the basketball court is very odd. Is it like trees, I think, I think or so, something? Yeah. It's just weird how well, they, because they're football it's the Pacific like Northwest. And, yeah. They, and they, they, all their jerseys are always fancier and stuff. But. Must not help them win. They're high vis because they have like that neon Oregon orange yep. or green yellow. that they yellow green whatever it is. Yep. Yeah. This bodes well into our topic, Matt, because I mean we're talking short corn, and right now in the basketball tournament, like for all the short people out there, this is like a win right now of the like, second coming of Muggsy Bogues. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's a K skate guard who's like five eight and just crushing it. He's just running around all the big dudes, shooting threes, assists. He had like 19 assists, which was like a I was watching record. that game last night, the K-State game, and there was at least twice where the K-State guy literally shot standing on the middle logo. Yeah. He took threes sure, from center and, and on Shooting half-court shots. One yeah. of them he like airballed, but the other <laughs> one he drained. Like, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, this guy's name is Marquise Noel and just – Five eight, like shortest guy left in the tournament, and just he had crushing like it. Nineteen assists last night. Yeah, like, record of the tournament. That's nineteen pretty assists. Cool. And the guys that beat Purdue were all short too, right? Yeah, watching. I didn't watch any. Watched some of the highlights, and it was like you'd think you just feed their huge seven footer the whole game. They said he didn't score what the last ten minutes. Of the no, game and or and something? it was like they were swarming him. It yeah. was like bees around him. You'd still just, think though, at seven feet, you'd just like no, he hold could just one hold arm up, up and like. Have the ball way up there. It was wild, though. It just shows, like, you need you do need it's super guards. tall guys, and it it's helps guard. put guard play right guard, now. Because yeah. they were saying, it, like, after the game, how, like, the Purdue guards were almost kind of shell-shocked. Like, they didn't know what to do. Sure. And kind of crunch time came, and they couldn't handle it. And the Fairleigh Dickinson, right? That's yeah, Fairleigh game? Dickinson, a 16 seed, beats a 1 seed. In yeah. basically what they're saying, I mean, this has happened one time before, but this is, like, the biggest upset in college basketball really? history. It, I mean, just because the, they're like, literally, they had the. Were they in the playing round? They lost their conference yeah. tournament too. Like, yeah. so they were in the like they this team like shouldn't have been shouldn't even been there, and then beats the one seed who has a seven four superstar that Zach Eby or whatever his Edie. name Edie. Edie. Thank you. And the the you're hot, you're hot. This Fairleigh Dickinson, like their tallest guy is six six. So like. You're giving up, like almost Eight a foot inches. there, yeah, of of height, and you're still able to beat a team like that. It's just, it's just awesome. So, like I said, it's well, there's something to be said too. Being tall is not always enough. You got to be coordinated. You got to be, yeah. There's there's other levels that need to be there because you could have a really go- goony tall guy out there who's going to harm you way more than he's going to help you, unless all you're doing is having him rebound. Yeah, I don't think Manute Bull was a... I mean, he's good, but he wasn't a NBA Hall of Famer. So this part, part like goes right into our topic. That's why I want to bring it up is watching the tournament, seeing how these short guys are beating the tall guys. I got to thinking, is short corn like the future? Is that where we're going? I mean, we're hearing it from companies that there's going to be a commercial release of uh, Bayer's Short corners, they're calling it. It's it's called both smart corn, short statured corn, 
they got a whole name like this Precyon smart corn system. Well, yeah, you gotta. There's always so there's the marketing, like marketing part it, to it. Yeah. yeah. So like, if you hear smart corn, it's really the short corn. Like it's the same thing. So they must have the same idea. Like we're gonna just we don't need all these the marketers, huge. The marketers don't want to call say it's short, right? Right. That so means they, guess, they think it's bad. Right. Yeah. Right. They should go on to this. They should be advertising during March Madness. Like, did you just watch? These these this, short this guys. This K State guard has a yeah. uh, potential future advertisement. advertisement. Yes, he's got his first deal NIL, NIL deal. deal yeah, yep. you can be short like me. No, and some of like literally the heights are almost the same. Like they're, I mean, not nah, they're talking nine to twelve foot corn is traditional, and this stuff's going to be like six foot. So it's what about the eighteen foot tall corn? Yeah, that that's too tall. That's too tall. Yes, is that a corn story like a fish story? It was above the chopper. No, box. it's one of those where I'm taught. Yeah, <laughs> I'm Man. sitting in the cab of the chopper and I couldn't see the tassel. You, you, there's times that. where you maybe just you know you get exaggerate it. a bit. You get, and, you get excited. And I said it was 18 foot, and the, the farmer called me out and it's like, "There's no way it was 18 foot." And Matt's sitting there going, "Like, no, it was maybe 12 or 14." Yeah, but, which is still so which yeah, still like basically he the farmer always made me go cut one down and bring it to him to, <laughs> to like, prove that, to yeah. prove it wasn't. It was very tall corn. It was very tall. It was the kind of stuff, like you said, Bill, that would be slapping the cab while you're chopping. And but it is fun walking cornfields when you have to reach up to grab the cob. You like that? Yeah, I hate that. Well, I mean, it sucks, but it's well, it's a fine line between getting hit in the head with yeah. cobs and being able to reach. They always the seem so. Those I always call those plants leggy. That's the term I tend to use because the the stalk underneath. Always doesn't seem like enough to hold up sure. that high of a cob sure. that it's waving, and you're like, Ooh, this, "This is going to so hold." The legs up. are going to give out. Yeah. It's one good windstorm away from making you bend over and pick up the cob because that's why you should plant short off. corn. Well, and the, yeah, that is part of the Smart argument corn. for short corn is uh, reduce your risk of green snap. You know, stand up to the wind a little bit better. I've also seen um, talk about like solar. You want your solar panels collecting as much light as possible. So that was shorter corn, they're not going to shade their neighbors as much, and you get more um, potential solar energy getting down into hitting those leaves. So, I mean, there's some valid points they're making as far as Let's talk why about we're doing it. But. That of why why it is, and this is from Bayer's push. There's other companies that are doing it, but theirs is also what well, Matt just said, 100% those ideas, and then they're also looking at short stature hybrids are a lot easier to get in to do a wide drop application or fungicide. And we were, too, not last fall, but the fall before, I mean, there were farms that we just pulled the pin. On, the corn got too tall. fungicide sure. or wide drops because we were hitting it with the, right underneath the sprayer was cracking off because it was it was too tall. So, so yeah, it gives this, us this. to me would be cool that you can get the same, you know, the yield and all that's the same. Yeah, they're saying... Comparable ears. Yeah, I like that point. Is ear size is similar to current hybrids. So, which is, which is a way of saying it should yield the same. You know, basically we're not giving up anything in the ear to do this. So that that part makes sense. And I think we, you know, we've seen when you look at silage versus grain corn. Typically, you don't always have as tall of plant. Like you're not necessarily looking for that tall plant in a grain situation. You're looking for more of the cob and, and different aspects 
Um, even though they are saying for some of this, there is some silage potential for the short corn as well. That's a good point, man. Is we heard from some of the Bayer reps that did say, because we just assumed this wasn't a silage play at all then. That's what Bill and I and, and Matt, you two kind of were like, well, no, this is just going to be grain then. And they said, no, there is some silage aspects to it because to get it shorter, it's got the same amount of leaves and they just kind of stack the inner nodes, especially the bottom ones, tighter. So that space between the nose is shorter to get that corn shorter. And hopefully if you plant it at the right population, you get a girthy stalk to it. She's going to be thick. So, yeah, you're going you're gonna to have to cut her low and going to be a big old stalk. I like big stalks and I cannot lie. You brother brothers can't deny when the ears in your face. I got nothing more. I, <laughs> That's pretty good. Given some time, going, I can come up with some more, more lyrics there. Maybe for next week. I'll, I'll All right. prep, prep a version of that song. Is it going to be big stocks or big? I like big cobs. I like big cobs. Mm, yeah, either one. Maybe maybe the refrain comes back with big cobs. Okay. Later. I'm excited for this. Matt, do you like acronyms? I do. Because <clears throat> bears go in with an acronym PAY. P-A-Y? Protection. So you're going to protect the crop against increased from lodging. Green snap. The A is access, what Todd was talking about, getting yep. in and out with... And Y being yield, I'm guessing? Yield potential. So See, increase, increase your yield potential by optimizing your inputs. I'd be more on board if they would have come up with a short acronym like S-H-O-R-T. And ha- I don't know what it would be. Ooh, yeah. Or SMART. Or SMART, yeah. If they're going to call it SMART corn, yeah. Turn that into an acronym. Maybe they only but had three, ye- three points, so they only could do with three letters. Right. And the yield thing makes sense. I mean, your yield potential, that's... Obviously, probably a selling point for most of this is maintaining or increasing yield if possible. Todd, really stupid question. I don't get into a lot of center pivots. Would this have any benefits from a... Like a center pivot doesn't... I mean, I'm really... It depends on the type of nozzle system you had. Because some of those drop nozzles, they'll get... You know, you'll get tossed around by the plants, but really won't matter no. necessarily. Okay, um, Probably it'd still be better potentially and it does seem like center pivots tend to make certain varieties shorter any like something about that brushing against them or something i don't know what it would be but there's we have varieties where and some it don't matter but i have ones where it seems like they're shorter under the pivot it's like an abiotic factor could be too how the watering went on but yeah i would i would think it would be beneficial just in that you'd less plant to take less water mm-hmm. in general. I don't know that they ever said any water use things in any of this, but that's a potential there that you'd have just a water collecting capacity that would be better. You'd think too at night you might be able to cool down that canopy easier with shorter corn. Sure. Yeah. Potentially. So who are the players? We've talked about Bayer cuz and they're the ones sort of in this what I'd call re-release period, where they're kind of bringing it back. Um, the early ones that that started it was basically Stein, and then Corteva was kind of looking at it. I did not find a lot on Corteva. I don't know um, where. It just basically a lot of the articles said Corteva's looking into it or doing it. So I'm assuming what that kind of meant is just in general, they're putting a little bit shorter stature corn in some of their, in the book and stuff, just some of the varieties that they're offering. Uh, Where Bayer is more going to this full system and it's going to be a lot shorter and it's kind of a 
breeding like program of this. Uh, so we've talked about Bayer. That's about all I got for Corteva. But Stein's the one that kind of started this trend somewhat by accident 10 years ago, but somewhat, you know, not. They, they've been breeding in, and they got an article here in a chart from 2020 that showed how basically like over time they're hybrids versus Pioneer and Monsanto. And Pioneer's the tallest kind of on average and sort of is pretty linearly here. They're like, their line is flat. What their research shows is they're 110 inches and it's been 110 inches and it still is. Um, they've got Monsanto kind of from that 110 inches and then it got a little less. But their Stein seeds, they got starting at 110 and now they average 95 inches. So they're saying that they've cut off basically like almost 15 inches of height, like a foot of height in just their whole lineup over these 20 years of of kind of basically trying their system. So it wouldn't even be 20 years is maybe pushing that's an idea, but they first started the commercially available, this narrow row HP corn. Do you guys remember that? That was that like, we're going to go 70,000 yep. narrow rows and, and it was shorter and that was in 2012. And that was kind of one of their first introductions to this idea and basically says they've been kind of keeping that up in their lineup. They're also saying, <clears throat> Stein is also saying that it's a more efficient pollinator. That could, well, because you think of your tassel is closer to your ear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's an interesting point. And that the shorter compact structure leads to stronger roots and stalks. So they're even touting some root structure changes. I'm just thinking, like, well, I, I don't know, but why would that do anything to the roots? I mean, it could be, a, yeah. again, a breeding, breeding thing. thing and here the other part is you'd have less resources that it's got to use mm -hmm. in the top part, so maybe it can use a little bit more of that resource for your roots. So I guess that makes sense. just be interesting what they would say of the why. I mean, it, it makes sense how they got there if you're looking to increase population and it gets back to the, the shading and the sunlight thing, like a large population of very tall leafy plants are going to shade each other out versus the stacked up plant. And Matt, you had that because we, what we didn't talk about is the interceding right. thing of this that now granted they're trying to make it where it still intercepts the same amount of light as a tall corn. But if you have interceding and you saw that Matt in that video, you had a time-lapse video and remember the bottom leaves. Yep. And remember we thought they were like coming back to life. When we, yeah. We accidentally realized it was in the playing wrong in order, you yeah. backwinding it, yeah, right. You're, but you're being you're, kind. You hit play, and you're it was being... like it was, yeah, like oh, well, this is really weird. This is like, awesome. What's like, going look at these on? Come back to life. They're coming back to like, life. The sunlight must be bringing back to life. So it was for like so thirty it was, seconds. So it was like losing, you know, over that month, those bottom leaves gets less sunlight, and you could see it was mainly by probably by sunlight. I mean, you can't really tell in that. Yeah, well, you if could, it's the reason why they weren't getting, but it makes sense because the way we think of canopy is you're. The plant's catching all the light so that it doesn't hit the ground and help weeds grow and other things. So, But, but those last bottom three leaves to four leaves were just done. Yeah, they just because, drop off after a while. Because they weren't intercepting sure. any sun. And that's always a question I get. You know, guys, well, it's nitrogen deficient. Those bottom leaves are... And it's like, usually you could tell the difference between firing up from nitrogen and, and just, just not yeah. getting sun. So these should be getting, you know, kind of sun all the way down to those bottom leaves. But yet the bottom leaves should be enough there that you're not losing any to the ground or missing any sun. 
so Stein is kind of the first seed company that I would say brought something to the market. And then I got into this corn breeder named Dave Nanda, who was a, like back in the sixties, got his PhD from Madison as a corn breeder. And he about 20 years ago worked as a plant breeder for what was called steward seeds out of Indiana. And he's the one that I could kind of find between Harry Stein of Stein seeds and the Dave Nanda were the ones that seemed to kind of, I would call it pioneer this idea or that I could say were the ones that maybe started this movement, if you'd want to call it that. And basically back then the Dave Nanda predicted that we'd be planting, you know, he kind of said in the future we'll be planting corn at 70,000 plants. And he was hoping to kind of get this like Christmas tree shaped plant is really what he was sure. hoping for. Almost like a, more robust, wider bottom leaves, and then, you know, kind of, like I said, it just kept using the the future corn plant. And this is article back from so 2009. A, a bushy corn hybrid, kind of right. A Christmas tree type pattern, read with leaves spreading out further below and more narrow on top. And I would say you look at some of this of what bears bread, and it does kind of have that look to it. Um, maybe it's a little deceiving. Just it just looks like it doesn't maybe look like the bottoms necessarily any more robust, but those leaves are fuller. Does that mean we're going to start getting like round corn cobs hanging from each of well, the leaves <laughs> now? To make People ornaments? are like, too, we don't want the stalks to be literally like trees out there. Yeah. Right. That, that, oh. would, that would not be good. <laughs> Just the shape. That's all he wants is the shape. Uh, yeah, we got to get the triple mower out to take down the cornfield because yeah. the chopper just ain't doing it today, guys. No, I mean... We have seen, I wouldn't say a push to 70,000 population, but guys pushing, you know, north of 45, 48, maybe even pushing 50 right. in some situations. So, yeah, that is, in that way, he was kind of right that we're trending up in population. To, to, to yeah, try to, and get a narrower role. Yep. Yep. And then the the big thing to it would save a lot of money if we could just go yeah. cut down a corn plant at Christmas time and, but, and, and, and put, that, and in put that in our house. <laughs> He's still charging 90 bucks for Yeah, <laughs> and you don't want corn out till Christmas. You may have to leave those couple, maybe. <laughs> we'll put it in a pot. It's you a lot should, easier than potting a yeah. Christmas tree. If it I've seen it frozen. Ha- Halloween time, people put corn out. You could get the short. Usually you try to get this big old plant for right. that. Get a short plant. That's amazing what they charge for that stuff, too. For the oh, de- yeah. Decorative, decorative When we yeah. walk it all summer corn. and it's like, oh, crap, just go to a field and grab it for the wife. Not that we would ever do that. Nope. The, the To wrap up, then, one of the pictures that I keep going around that I think is cool, but it's on, like, every article, is a Hagee sprayer with the booms, like, all the way up. And then it's in, like, half the sprayer's in the tall corn and half the sprayer's in the shorter corn. And you can see the, like, shorter corn basically barely reaches the underbelly of the sprayer. Like, the tassels will be bumping it. And... He's got the booms all the way up, and the tall corn is kind of halfway up the cab, and just you could see it would be a it's pain to do with the sprayer. The yeah. So, so I, I think that, like I said, that is the picture I saw on every in every article. It was either the top or somewhere in somewhere there. Somewhere in it, yeah. And it just, like, kept seeing it, kept seeing it, kept seeing it, and going, like, well, yeah, that's the, that is the visual that really seemed to pop. Like, when they had the corns just side by side without that, it was like, okay, yeah, that it looks shorter. It, 
It's like the sprayer adds that, you know, when you're taking a picture of a bug and you put like a nickel or a quarter, a penny, yeah, something with it or a dime because yep. they're so small, like the comparison. And this one was the one that like really popped because everybody's seen the Hagee sprayer. Everybody's seen that where he's just like, man, this just stuff's almost too tall to yeah. get in and do stuff. Sorry, sprayer guys. Now you don't have an excuse for running over rows. Oh, I couldn't see. The yeah. corn was too tall. It almost looks like droughty corn. It it does. It kind of does. Yeah. You know, no, like, without the pineapple. Effect. What's right. going to interesting you say about it is like it almost looks like if you drove by, you'd be like, "Oh my god!" Like if Farmer Bob's playing this, you're gonna be like, "Man, Farmer Bob's corn sucks this year, real yeah, bad." Like right. it does not look good. So that'll be an interesting part too of th- the same way we talked about. It's more fun to have you know a seven foot four guy you can march out and he look you know you got your Goliath there, but if you got three little Davids running around yeah. and shooting threes, they're better. Potentially right now in NCAA basketball, this is the weird part too. Is I, it's going to take a lot of a change in mindset of what good corn sort of looks like and what you're what you're okay with. Yeah. All right. So there you go. Short corn is it the wave of the future? Who knows? We'll have to watch as it does start to come to market this year, and I'm sure we'll see more of it in 2024. So. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. And today we're looking at a product from BASF. They are touting as the first ever solid encapsulated herbicide for pre and post weed control in corn. So if you ask growers what their number one problem is today, you're probably going to hear some sort of pigweed species, whether it's Palmer amaranth, water hemp or common ragweed. In Egg Web's poll, they did a look at weed nemesis for the farm, and water hemp was in the top spot, which not surprising, I think, to any of us here. Uh, with 35%, Palmer Amaranth was second, and ragweed tied with mare's tail, which I know we've been seeing issues in certain areas, especially some lighter ground to the south with these mare's tail populations. So new solution is on the way. So BASF is helping corn growers address this issue with an active ingredient in an encapsulation form. So certain herbicide. Is it certain or certain? Tain looks right because it's S-U-R-T-A-I-N. A-A-I-N, yeah. But yeah, I was trying to decide how to say that. For sure we'll find out when the marketing starts. Yes. Certain? Certain controls. Might be how it goes. Depend, maybe if you're in the cell. Certain. Certain. Y'all got certain in the tank. Uh, controls up to 79% of broad, or 79 different broadleaf species and grasses, including the three main offenders that we just talked about, palmer, water hemp, ragweed, and hopefully it'll have some control on mare's tail too. They have more of a, than a decade of research into this product and are readying it for farmers to use. So... 5,200 different treatments in lab trials, hundreds of research trials and lab trials. Uh, hopefully serve as a solution to control some of these nasty weeds. It says it's group 1415. Like it didn't give us that I found any of the sort of chemical like name. Specific chemical, sure. But group 14, group 15, which would be all good. Yeah, like those would help in these species and you could see would be where you'd have 
So you wonder if it's like a Zidua type of thing? or but It what says it? here it's PPO and HPPD. Yeah. So you'd have, so, okay, yeah, so it'd be, be PPO would be like a, ooh, what's the main PPO? Callisto probably? Callisto, yeah. So yeah, it'd be like that type. and Yeah, it'd be interesting kind of how it actually works. Like if we... Or sorry, without, I read that wrong. It's um, residual control without HPP. PP. Okay, HPPD. yeah, that makes sense because I would say those groups don't make sense for that. Yep, so right. it's a patented and proprietary process unique to DASF's residual PPO herbicide control without needing HPPDs. PPPs. Yep, sorry, I, I misread the sentence. My bad. Mia culpa. <laughs> All right, now we'll move into our Ag History Minute for today. So today we're talking Norman Borlaug, who is well known to many in the agricultural community. He went from a small farm in Iowa to feeding half the world thanks to a lifelong interest in tinkering with genetic design of wheat. Known as the father of the Green Revolution, Borlaug was born on March 25th, 1914, on a farm near Cresco, Iowa. So his birthday is tomorrow. Yeah, that was part of the reason I picked him. I thought that was cool that yeah. he's... And I don't know if that's why it's National Egg Week, but yeah, yeah maybe. could be. It's just cool that his birthday is around that. After completing his early education in his hometown, he went on to study forestry and plant pathology at the University of Minnesota. Ooh, all right, well, where he earned... That's the only part of his <laughs> thing. I, yes, yeah, that is a little bit like... The downside there. Dang it. Uh, where he earned his bachelor's and master's degrees, completing his doctorate in 1942. In 1944... Borlaug, who was trained as a plant pathologist, left the U.S. for Mexico to fight stem rust, a fungus that infects wheat, at the invitation of the Rockefeller Foundation. He and his colleagues spent the next decade crossing thousands of strains of wheat from across the globe, ultimately developing a high-yielding, disease-resistant variety. Unfortunately, it couldn't stand heavy with grain. So Borlaug crossed it again with a Japanese dwarf wheat to produce a so-called semi-dwarf wheat both shorter and lodging-resistant, as well as disease-resistant and amenable to fertilization. Whether the variety was planted, yields soared. So So he's the kind of, we were just talking about short corn. Right. He's the short short wheat wheat, Short wheat guy. Semi-dwarf wheat. Short wheat guy. Not good straw wheat. Well, maybe it's it's a thicker stem. There you go. All depends what you're looking for in the wheat side of things. All right. Good. Thank you, Matt. And thank you to our listeners out there. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. All you need to do is search Tilt Talk Radio and Apple Podcasts or on an Android phone. Search any of these apps work well, Podcast Addict, Podbean, and Player FM. You can also listen on your computer or smartphone browser. Go to tiltheg.com slash podcast. We're also available on Amazon Music, and you can follow us on Facebook, and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. Thanks, Todd. All right, now we'll move into our cool beans. That's corny and some current events. So, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans, cool beans. Our cool beans this week. Fertilizer prices are trending down. So, for the second full week of March, this in twenty twenty three, they continued to show lower levels. The trend is gone for the last two and a half months. All eight of the major fertilizer prices are once again lower compared to a month before. Five of the eight have had a substantial price decline. 
And leading the way was anhydrous. The nitrogen fertilizer was 13% lower compared to last month. UAN was 11% less expensive. You, uh, and that's 28%. The 32% was 9% lower compared to a month earlier and had average price of 521 a ton. Urea was 7% down, average price of 638 a ton, and potash was 5% lower compared to last month with an average price of 655 per ton. Reigning three fertilizers were all slightly lower compared to the prior month. DAP has average price of 825, MAP 821, and 10340 at 740 a ton. So, yeah. You may not see that price drop reflected in what you're paying depending when you booked your fertilizer but it's a good sign that things are starting to soften in that side of things and hopefully be a little cheaper for some folks to fertilize this year our that's corny this week california keeps getting more water for a long time they were in drought and had water concerns, and now their prayers have been answered, but maybe a little too much to all at once. And they have been having flooding, forcing dairies to move cattle to higher ground. And it's a new, another new weather term. We seem to keep getting one, a new one every year, and that's uh, atmospheric river storms. They keep calling what is these it? an atmospheric <laughs> river. What? Yeah. So apparently there's rivers in the atmosphere, too. Okay. We, knew, we know about underground, like groundwater yeah. rivers okay. under the surface, right, surface and regular river. rivers. Regular. Now we have atmospheric rivers, and I looked up the term because I was not familiar with it. And an atmospheric river is a plume of moisture that helps carry saturated air from the tropics to higher latitudes, delivering unrelenting rain or snow. So think of it as a fire hose that aims at the... <laughs> and then drenches a particular region, and that's what they've been getting. It's They've said... They had uh, reservoirs in California that were like 30 to 40% full that are now overtopping after a series of rains. And that was like before it all even caught up. So the flow, you know, when we so think that of the spring. So that was before the flooding waters receded. Right. When, you, when you see the spring thaw and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, next week the, this river is going to be flooded. Well, it's like, okay, the river's already flooded and we're not even, you know, next week it's going to be possibly even worse. So here, here, these are wild. It says atmospheric rivers, while they're in gas form or water vapor, they can carry as much water as a dozen Mississippi rivers. Whew. So, like the amount of water up there too is wild. Like, and then they show this real. Vapor. We we would prefer just one Mississippi, please. Yeah, not two one Mississippi, Mississippi, three Mississippi, yeah. four Mississippis. It's like holy man. Too many Mississippis. I'm just trying to find if these can make it to Wisconsin. Uh, it says most common in Western United States. That's these are fairly common, I should say. Here it says most of the time by it would hit because it comes. This was when it hits the mountains, probably. right? It says it has to flow over the Rockies where more of the precipitation falls out. So that, we could not. Get well, they these. were saying too, like Utah has got like seven ish, hundred inches, like ridiculous amount of well, snow. Yeah, all the roofs caving in and just like, the, the skiing is like great out there, yeah. apparently. It almost be too yeah. much. Yeah. Fresh powder. You have to ski to work now. Yeah. Because there's so much snow. But yeah, so that's crazy. And a lot of, a lot of flooding going on. It's unfortunate. Yeah, the cattle have to get moved and hopefully things will settle out soon. For the folks out in California. And finally, we'll do our Field Good Friday for the week. And this week, 
on the 21st, which was, was it Tuesday? Yeah, Tuesday of this week was National Egg Day. And in honor of that, they made a celebration video that we will play for you now. Why don't farmers get a standing ovation every morning? Maybe just a fist bump for every meal. From the everyday PB&J, the high-end gourmet, or a thank you note next time biofuel powers the truck that completes a delivery. Because without farmers get up early, stay up late, work till the job is done attitude, moments like these would only live in our imagination. National Ag Day is the light that shines on these unseen heroes. For more than 50 years, we're the leading voice in the chorus of praises, thanking them for feeding, fueling, and clothing the nation and beyond. We salute their tenacity, their determination to go all in, no matter the cost, their courage to play chicken with wind, rain, and drought, and their foresight to seasons ahead and decades beyond. Here's to the fence-mending, livestock-feeding, crop-tending stewards of our environment's future. Thank you. So there you go. That is the celebration anthem for Ag Day. And I think we all can agree that we want to thank farmers, too, for everything they do. I mean, we wouldn't have jobs without you guys. Right. Or we wouldn't, we'd be starving. It's somewhat self-serving, oh, but yeah. 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 And the starvation we'd thing. We'd be was, jobless and starving, so yeah. that sounds terrible. All right. Well, there you go. That'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked about short corn. In our spotlight, we looked at the first ever in solid encapsulated herbicide for corn. In our Egg History Minute, we talked about Norman Borlaug. Happy birthday to him tomorrow. And our Cool Beans, that's corny this week. Cool Beans, fertilizer prices are trending down. That's corny is atmospheric rivers flooding farms out in California. And our Field Good Friday was the new Ag Day Anthem celebration video. So thanks for listening. And as always, happy farming. Happy farming.